The other day I heard someone say, you know, America is in real trouble. It's true, old glory has never fallen so close to earth. The blood of American soldiers is soaking foreign soil in nameless, windless conflicts. Men are dying for ideals we so-called Americans have abandoned. America's real trouble doesn't lie in the rice paddies of Vietnam or in the overwhelming masses of red China. It's here. This is the age of the American cynic, the year of the unbeliever, the day of doubt. Love of God, country, and family has been thrown to the junk heap. We stare at our shoelaces when they play the national anthem. We change channels when a political discussion comes on. We wouldn't be caught with our eyes closed during public prayers. We've decided that elections and politicians are bought and sold like cattle. Patriotism, the old hand over the heart, flag-waving, marching, singing patriotism, has been condemned. Somewhere back there, for some power, we've lost our pride in America. Its aims, ideals, and structure hasn't changed. We have. You and me. Our enemies know it. They've seen newsreels of the discontented marching around the Capitol. The draft card burnings. They've driven steel wedges in our wall of solidarity. The new idea is, why attack America? It'll eventually fall under the weight of its own corruption. And did you know it's working? This deadly complacency, once stamped beneath the bloody feet of a tattered Continental Army in 1776, once drowned with the USS Arizona in Pearl Harbor Bay, has risen again. This sneering, let George do it attitude, this better red than dead cancer is more feared by the American soldier than all the communist bullets. It kills the vitality and spirit of America. Democracy is a frail, fragile instrument made of hope, prayer, and Yankee ingenuity. It's held together by Fourth of July flag-waving patriotism, and we've almost exhausted our supply of it. Try this test. Lift your eyes to a flag, then sing out as loud as you can that old antique freedom hymn you learned as a child or Purple Mountain's Majesty. Above the fruited plain, America. America. God shed his grace on thee. Now, if you feel a little Christ welling up inside you, if you feel a little mist in your eyes, then thank God for you, mister. You're still an American. Hey there, welcome to Every Night's a School Night. Time for a little cleanser here. Time for that after-dinner mint, which is what Every Night's a School Night has become. Feels like when I do a lot of night schools, I do have this feeling like I want to do them. It's like having a meal that you enjoyed, but you just, you can't really get the feeling, you can't really get the taste out of your mouth for a while afterwards. 
Hence the invention of the after-dinner mint. And that's what doing these feels like. It just feels like, as much as I enjoy doing night schools, as much as that's, you know, really my preferred form of expression at this point, I just, I've got to do these. I've got to, I got to have these mints, baby. I've got to offer these mints for myself, if, no, if nobody else. <laughs> I like that idea. I like the idea of having a dinner party, an actual dinner party, and handing out mints afterward and just being like, you know, even if you guys don't eat these, I'm passing these out for myself. Um, but uh, that song was by Buddy Starcher. Good name, Buddy Starcher. Starch like, Starcher like Starch. Who would have guessed? And the song was called Day of Decision, Mostly Spoken as you heard, and uh, to deliver it with that voice. You don't hear voices like that anymore. You do not hear human beings who have voices like that. And I'm not sure how old he was at that point, but you'll hear like 20-year-olds who sound like that in, in 1966 when that was recorded. Who knew it, was re- it could have been recorded yesterday? He was talking about America like it was 2020. He, it's prophetic. It's almost like countries occasionally go through periods of intense internal to- turmoil. It's almost like things happen again and again. Oh my God, George Orwell, he wrote 1984. It's just like 2020. It's almost like he could he, he could have been commenting on uh, 2020. It's almost like people can say things about a given time and it applies to any given time. It's almost like certain trends just come and go throughout history. I like those lyrics, though. I guess you'd call them lyrics if they're spoken. I liked that poem. I liked that poem by Buddy Starcher, that recorded poem. They've driven steel wedges in our wall of solidarity. Age of the Cynic. Yeah, 1966, obviously that things were just picking up terms of Vietnam protests, some of the unrest of the 60s. Good message there, though. I, you know, there's, somebody could easily listen to or play that song on a radio show and do so ironically. But uh, I play it without any real sense of irony. You know, I, I, not that I relate to every single word that Buddy Starcher said, not that I hung on every single word there. But overall, you know, it does resonate with me. And uh, I guess I was saving it for a rainy day. I just didn't know that day was going to be today. I just I forgot I had it. And it's a good one. Day of decision. But, uh, it's, yeah, it was about time to do an every night to school night. And so here we are doing one. And, uh, you know, I'm going to move to lighter material. You, you know, I wanted to start out with something very heavy. And I feel like that was some heavy-duty material. That was a heavy-duty intro. Uh, but I don't mind going lighter immediately. I'm not against going from heavy to light just right away. And I'm going to play a couple songs by a guy named Ricky Coyne. And that's not to be confused with the, the monetary coin. This is C-O-Y-N-E. Ricky Coyne and his Guitar Rockers. Good name for a backing group. His Guitar Rockers, not the Guitar Rockers. 
They specifically belong to Ricky Coyne, his guitar rockers. And uh, these are feel-good songs. This is going to be a couple of feel-good songs from a Ricky. And it's Little Darlene is going to be the first one, followed by I'll Love You Forever. If you're going to love someone, yeah, it might as well be forever. Might as well plan on it forever, one way or another. One way or another, plan on loving somebody forever. Plan on everybody that you love right now, just plan on loving them forever. consciousness touches this sort of came out of the concept that consciousness is fundamental okay how about putting together the universe of collective consciousness which based on everything we know about precognition and psychic phenomenon includes past present and future conscious moments
one got kind of heavy too. Started out sweet, but there was a little bit of heaviness. But you could tell he had it under control. In that I love you forever. There's a, a, a moment where you can definitely sense the storm clouds overhead. But you weren't worried about him. You weren't worried about Ricky Coyne. Maybe because he has his guitar rockers, who showed off in the first song. We heard some of that guitar rocking. The latter one was more of a ballad. Less, uh, less room for the guitar rockers to show off. Both of those songs from the late 1950s. A period where you could actually understand what people were talking about. You know, you think about that Buddy Starcher song that I opened with from 1966, and that was when people started to get into this gibberish. It's always interesting to me. It seems like when it seems like when there are times of unrest, it plays out in the form of this artistic confusion as well, where you don't know what people are saying. And it wouldn't be entirely surprising given our current unrest if for the near future we start having music come out that isn't vague and poetic, because we've already been through that. We've already had the hippies, you know, getting out there with their lyrics. You know, you think about the mid to late 60s, where it's like, what are they even singing about? What what is she even saying? You know, and that was at least poetry, but I think that we've already been through that, and the next step for popular music as far as disoriented music influenced by societal unrest goes, I think we're really just looking at music that just is people going, you know, I really think that's the near future for us, and we just have to accept it. In the same way that your parents didn't understand rap, now that we are the parents, some of us, not me, but now that we are of parental age, we just have to accept that our children are going to listen to music that sounds like, you know, it's just, it's like that uh, Phil, I can't remember his last name right now, but I, I played a sample of him on here before where he just makes noises like that. Phil, oh, what's his name? Phil, his name starts with an M. Phil Minton. I'm glad I remembered it. Phil Minton. I've played him on here. Not so much as music, so much as a sample, where he, I guess it's technically free jazz, but it's just him making sounds like that. And I know I'd be good. I'd be good at doing that if I really tried. What I gave you there was just a little glimpse. No practice, no preparation, no rehearsal, certainly no rehearsal. You know, maybe I'll capitalize on it. Maybe I'll be the producer. I'll be a little bit old to be successful, but when popular music sounds like that, it's going to need somebody who who has an ear. Because it's going to be one of those things where it's kind of like the way that old people used to talk about rap, where it's like, they're just talking. They're just talking. Anybody can just talk over a, a sample and a beat. As if old people knew what a sample was, but... Uh, you know, as people are like, he's just making weird noises with his voice. They're going to need a person with the right ear to differentiate between who's talented and who's not. And I want to be the guy who makes those decisions and produces those albums. Even if I'm not the one actually recording it, I want to get executive producer credits. 
That's my fantasy is to be an executive producer. Get credit for just uh, being there, for being the man, capital T, capital M, the man. But we're going to continue with another Ricky. Sometimes this happens by chance. Sometimes it's deliberate. I'm not sure what really happened here. Sometimes it's somewhere in between, but I find that on this show, I often will play multiple artists in a row who have the same first name. And that gets me thinking, you you know, in school, why did they always seat you alphabetically by last name, by surname? You were never seated alphabetically by first name, and it doesn't really serve a purpose. It doesn't really make a difference whether you're organized alphabetically by first or last name. I mean, not that I can think of. I mean, maybe if it's uh, not, you know, because sometimes they would arrange you alphabetically, but, you know, when they were seating you, and it really wouldn't make a difference there. Why not have all the Eric's in a row? Why not have all the Rickies in a row? And I mean, it's redundant because Ricky is a nickname for Eric, as we've established on here, and which I used for two school assignments. When I was in second grade, I used the name Ricky Stonefelt for two assignments, two homework assignments. I put the name Ricky down. It was because my sister's boyfriend at the time, his older brother, had been an NFL player was on a team that won a couple Super Bowls, and because his name was Ricky, I did the math, and I was like, you know, there's an R-I-C in my name. That could be a Ricky. And then sure enough, I grow up, and I become a, a Rick, Ricky Nelson fan, and it turns out he's an Eric who goes by Ricky. My mom used to call me Rico. There's something to it, you know? We think of, we think of nicknames in this country as the first syllable of your name. You know, you think about a nickname, and the name Nick, you know, my best friend growing up was Nicholas, so his name was Nick. If your name's Steven, you go by Steve. But uh, there's other cultures where they go by the second syllable. In Italy, you go by the second syllable. If your name's Stefano, your nickname would be Fano or Fanuzzo. So other cultures, they go by the second syllable. It shows you just how different things can be. Over here, they go by the first syllable. And we just take it for granted that we do that. Well, whereas other countries, they go by other syllables. They have other methods of determining what your nickname should be. And I guess in Italy, it's like you have a vowel at the end of every word. So that lends itself. It's like you have this extra note to riff on when it comes to names, so I guess it's natural that you go with the second syllable, because everything has to end in a vowel. I had a girl ask me once, because she knew that I had studied the mafia pretty deeply, and that therefore, by extension, I also studied uh, southern Italy quite a bit, and she was like, do you want to be Italian or something? She had that accent, too, but she, she asked me, like, yeah, do you do you want to be Italian? Kind of accusingly. And I think what it was, we had gone out to eat and I ordered an Italian sandwich. So, I mean, I guess she was work. She had some material to work with. She knew that I had a certain interest in certain aspects of Italian society, secret societies, in Italian secret societies. She knew I had that interest. And I guess because I ordered, you know, one of the three sandwiches that the grocery store deli offered was an Italian sandwich and I went for that she was like 
you want to be Italian or something? And I was like, no. Because that's a, an interesting thing. When you are interested in something, there is this assumption or presumption that you identify with it or want to identify with it. And I guess many people do. Like if you listen to a certain kind of music, let's say it's political in nature, there's the idea that you, at the very least, support that. While you might not, you know, that's the interesting thing about art. It seems to be missing from a lot of conversations, but it's very, but it's very obvious is that you can take in art without explicitly agreeing with it, just like you can study a subject without identifying with it or even really wanting to participate in it in any way. Like, I don't have an interest in going to Italy. I mean, I, I would go if given the opportunity, but it's like I don't have this... My dream is to travel to Italy. It's like I'm just... A, through some weird, you know, blip, I got interested in a certain subject that made me learn a little bit about that area. But I'm completely happy with my heritage, you know? I, I love my heritage, which is a dangerous thing to say these days. I should have, that's what I should have said to her in response. I should have said, no, I love my heritage. I love my Northern European heritage. I would never want to be Italian. In fact, I hate Italians. I study them, but I study them with contempt. Fortunately, I can joke about that. Fortunately, I can joke about hating Italians. I mean, I have Italian friends. Hey, I got Italian friends, guys. I do. That's the new I have black friends, is I have Italian friends. But I, I couldn't be happier with my happier with my heritage. That's a, a thing I have going for me, is I couldn't be happier with my Scandinavian and mixed European heritage. Which, yeah, gets into dangerous territory there. Oh, so you, you couldn't be more proud of your heritage, you're saying. You couldn't be more proud of your... Northern European heritage that happens to have white skin, huh? I'm doing the math here. The new white pride is just white joy. It's white happiness. It's just being happy about your heritage, which has already become bad. I've already seen the articles. I've already seen people say this. Where people, I've already seen things online where people say things like, we need to talk about white people smiling in public. We need to talk about white politeness. We need to talk about white people feeling a sense of joy when they think about their heritage. Yeah, we're, I mean, that's already a thing. I, I don't even need to joke about that. That's already a thing. And everybody wants me to talk about it, too. Everybody wanted me to get there with this every night to school night. Better talk about current events. Better get current eventy while you can. You know, you only have so many years in this life to be relevant. We only have so many years before. Not just the music is going to be... It's, we, we only have so many days before just communication itself is going to be that. It's going to be like uh, when you see two deaf people talking... You know, obviously they have sign language, but when they actually talk to each other, when they verbalize, that's what non-deaf people are going to do. And then the non-deaf people who do that are going to get accused of appropriating that from deaf, deaf people. 
it's hard it's hard when you're saying all this stuff really fast and you know flying by the seat of your pants and treading on treacherous territory it's very easy to confuse death with death which nobody wants to do nobody wants to confuse those things i don't anyway i had another ricky here to play <laughs> i had another ricky and he's not ricky coin he's ricky lee and you would assume that that's L-E-E. In the same way that you might hear Ricky Coin and think it's C-O-I-N, like I'm talking about a money name, and it's not, C-O-Y-N-E, you might think Lee is L-E-E, like the jeans, but it's Lee like the girl's middle name. You know, a lot of girls have the middle name Lee. I've never met a Lee, I've never met a girl with the first name Lee, L-E-I-G-H. I've met about 15 girls with the middle name. Maybe this is Ricky's middle name. Sometimes that happens. Maybe it's not his last name at all. But it's Ricky Lee and the twins. Or is it Lay? I think it's Lee, but then now I'm, I'm questioning the pronunciation. Ricky Lay? Uh, but it's Ricky Lee and the twins with Seashore Stomp. And you'd think this one would be a really heavy-duty one, but it's it's pretty pleasant. It's 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 a pleasant breeze on the seashore. You know, you might be stomping, but stomping in sand doesn't really have that much of an impact. You know, stomping in sand doesn't have the same impact that, say, stomping on a wood floor would. That living in an apartment building and stomping on the floor, stomping on the second floor so your neighbors below hear it. You know, stomping on sand doesn't really do that. It's actually not a very pleasing feeling to do that. You don't really get much oomph from it. But it's Ricky Lee and the Twins. I like to imagine it's Siamese Twins. Have Siamese Twins ever played in a band? You don't know that I've ever seen that. Siamese Twins. I'm imagining like somebody with, you know, one body, two arms, two legs, and then just two heads sticking out the top playing in a band. And would they only be able to play one instrument? Would they only be able to play, you know, or would they play one of those guitar-bass hybrids? If a Siamese twin plays music, do they have to play that? Are they required to play that? Are they required to play the instrument that most closely resembles them? I don't know, but Ricky Lee and the Twins with Seashore Stomp. This might answer all of our questions, or we'll forget them by the end. Everywhere now. Oh yeah, where? Why well, throw it up your PA? 
Why, it's gotta happen there. But let's tell them about it one more time. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, More than dance, baby. You better believe it. Come on now. He's all all over all the Valentine's. Come on, Billy, New York. Let's go. It's going everywhere. is a good word for stomp. The more I say stomp, the more detached I come I become from the word stomp. It's like someone stomped my brain. But let's play a couple more Ricky Lee songs actually. This wasn't planned. This was not a planned part of the playlist. But I, I think I feel like carrying on some of that Ricky Lee energy. And I'm gonna play Let's look at the song titles here. It's to find an angel like you, followed by why do little girls hurt little boys? Why do little girls stomp little boys? Very misogynistic song, as you can tell. This is if you ever wonder what misogynists listen to. It's uh, Ricky Lee. Why do little girls hurt little boys? And then I, you know, I do a version of this song myself. It's called Why Do Grown Men Hurt Little Girls and Little Boys? It's only for mature audiences, though. But uh, to find an angel like you and why do little girls hurt little boys? A Ricky Lee block.
Yeah, I feel like a song called that with that subject matter couldn't have been performed better. It couldn't have been performed in a better style than that. That nice falsetto backing. The Dead Kennedys covered that song. (laughs) Why do little girls hurt little boys? However they sound. However the fuck the Dead Kennedys sound. But, uh... Yeah, I'm gonna keep moving along here. I'm actually gonna go into instrumental territory. We're going to play a couple instrumental Sun bands. And I don't mean Sun records. I mean bands that use Sun in their name. And they actually are very similarly named. The first one is the Sun Spots. One word, Sun Spot. And the next band is going to be the Sun Sets. So the Sun Spots and the Sun Sets. Don't get them confused. Or the secret police are going to knock on your door and know. They're going to know that you got them confused. This is a time where you can't get things wrong, or someone's going to knock on your door. And after they knock on your door, they're going to be knocking on your head with the billy club. But uh, yeah, the instrumental music here, surf-inspired, but not a little bit of a Western feel, especially to Manhunt, which is the song by the Sunsets that will come second. Because, of course, the Sunsets have to come second. You know, the sunset always comes second. Sunrise don't come after sunset, although it does, because we live in a never-ending cycle of days that can be strange and disorienting. Sometimes to someone out there, a sunset comes before the sunrise because they stay up all night. They don't have that strange 
end punctuation called sleep that separates days. But the first song by the Sunspots, it's called Payella, P-A-E-L-L-A. Not sure what that is. I don't know if that's a, a name, a woman's name, Payella. I know it's not Payola, which we're, even though this show is now a mainstream show, as far as just our identity goes, this show, I identify this show as a mainstream show. Whether it has an audience or not, I consider this show to have mainstream intentions. But that said, we're not receiving payola to play any of these songs. But we are playing Payella by the Sunspots. So yeah, the Sunspots, Payella, followed by the Sunset's Manhunt. I know that uh, I'm going to appreciate not hearing any human voices for the next few minutes, and you probably will too. He, he politely refers to me as Mr. John. <laughs> I, I'm really lost and scared at this point in my life. I don't know who is telling the truth and who is lying. I'm thinking of things I'm ashamed of and I don't know how to convince myself that I'm not what I think I am. I really don't want to come back to this life again, but I don't have the strength to dedicate my life to spiritual pursuit. I don't know which path to follow and I'm afraid of making the wrong choice. I wonder why we deserve all this pain of life. Place to go when you strap together, when you strap to another man. No, I mean, I, there's no place to run or hide. 
like a bad divorce. A bad divorce. Hunt. The sun sets with a manhunt. And we're going to keep with the prefix man, the root word man. But we're going to be talking about mansions. We're going to play a song that should be familiar to most people in that it was originally performed by Hank Williams. And that's A Mansion on the Hill, but this time it's going to be performed from the feminine point of view. It's by June Webb from 1958. So here is June Webb's rendition of A Mansion on the Hill. Oh 
ladies is for you not to be polite we've all been raised to not hurt anybody to be polite and don't you know don't do this or that but the all-important thing to remember is that if you are going to protect yourself and if you are going to defend yourself you must injure your attacker when he sees you walking the Lord will hear you talking talking to the angels in the sky and when you know he's near you the Lord will always hear you talking to the angels in the sky talk to the angels let them hear your plea tell them you're lonely, get down upon your knees and pray the Lord will help you. When he sees you walking, the Lord will hear you talking, talking to the angels in the sky. And when you know Talk to the angels, let them hear your plea. Tell them that you're lonely. Get down upon your knees and pray the Lord will help you. When he sees you walking, the Lord will hear you talking. Talking to the angels. In the sky, and when you know he's near you, the Lord will always hear you, talking to the angels in the sky, talking to the holy song there, and I mean that both H-O-L-Y as well as W-H-O-L-L-Y, sometimes those can be synonymous, or at the very least complementary, but that holy song there was by Dick Glasser, which is a great name of a fellow that I've been meaning to play on here for a very long time. I've had him in the queue for years now, Dick Glasser, and it's his name speaks for itself, a glasser. I may have even played him before. I'm not sure offhand, but Dick Glasser, Richard Glasser, Dick Glasser. 
And that was Angels in the Sky, which has a little bit of a, a backstory because he originally recorded it in 1954 and then sold it and it was performed by more popular artists. And the, the stipulation of the sale was that he couldn't perform it again himself. And then I guess something changed with the, with the rights where he was able to re-record it again in 1958. Offhand, I'm not sure if that's the 54 or 58 one, and I'm not going to look it up right now. It could have, I mean, it could easily pass for 1954, although I, you know, not like 58 was a huge jump in technology. Playing a lot of 50s stuff in this episode, it seems like. It's not too usual for these episodes to be so dominated by even late 1950s material. Things tend to exist more in the 61 to 63 period, it feels like, but it feels good to have some late 50s material in this one. And I'm going to continue on here with a Dick Glasser block. This is going to be a big block in that it will include a total of four songs, including the one you just heard, but I'd call that a big dick block. A big old dick block. And why not when someone has many good songs? It's always great when someone has more than one. Because there are artists from this era that I'm like, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. And I really only like one song. But that's the thing about this style of music is that somebody can have one song that's just so effective. You become a fan of everything. Even if you just listen to that song and that song alone, there's just something about this era where one song can convince you. It's like a motivational speaker who just gets one idea that sticks with you. It changes Just one epiphany is all it takes. When you go to a self-help sef- seminar, 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 <laughs> When you go to a self-help seminar, you know, sometimes all it takes is just, uh, you know, one epiphany. And with artists, sometimes all it takes is one song. But fortunately, we have four here. We have a big dick block from Dick Glasser. And the next song here is going to be Gone Is My Love from 1959. And that's going to be followed up with Leave Me Alone and then in parentheses, and let me cry. Leave me alone and let me cry. Very specific about why he wants to be left alone. And this one's from 1960, followed by Heartaches Over You from 1959. So we're going from 1959 to 1960 to 1959 again. 59, 60, 59. And uh, this, these three songs, you know, I'm glad there's some separation here. I'm glad that I decided to narrate this a little bit between the block, because I feel like that first song was obviously holy. It was obviously a spiritual song, maybe even gospel. And these three are much more uh, in that heartache zone. Gone is my love, leave me alone and let me cry, heartaches over you. Let's keep these segregated. Let's keep these quarantined. Let's keep these on their own, but they're still great, even though we need to keep them on their own together. Dick Glasser, three songs. Ooh, 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 ooh. 
just occurred to me how fragile friendships and relationships can be. is now over, although I don't know that this will be the last time you hear from him on Every Night's a School Night. He also performed under the name Dick Laurie, L-O-R-Y, and had some good material. And as you heard there, I mean, exceptionally good, exceptionally memorable, powerful music from Dickie Glasser. Dick Dickie Glasser. And uh, we're... uh, Nearing the end of the episode here, but I'm going to play one before we end it that was played on a very early Every Night's a School Night, probably one of the first. And I I referenced it in a recent night school because I was talking about the idea of essential losers, essential losers versus non-essential losers, and how there is a very sharp distinction between those two things, how we need essential losers. We often like, love, admire essential losers for their contributions. They somehow, they play a role. They play an important role. Non-essential losers destroy, but essential losers ultimately end up creating more than they destroy, even though they might destroy themselves. They end up being, I don't know, they balance things out. 
And uh, so I referenced this song when I was talking about the idea of essential losers versus non-essential losers. And those are two ideas that the two things that I've really wanted to hammer home on night school lately are that the idea of essential losers versus non-essential losers. And then, of course, the idea that we created computers in our image. And the idea that, you know, somehow social media has changed us. That it's social... Oh, social media is dividing us. Social media is dividing us. Can you believe how it's turning us against each other? It's not like we fought two world wars in the last hundred years before we ever had social medium. Social medium. It's not like we fought endless wars throughout history before social media. Oh, but it's social media that's dividing us. It's not like there's something inside of humans that will find any opportunity it can. It's not like non-essential losers won't find some kind of opportunity to divide and destroy each other. So that's funny to me, the idea that all of this stuff, it's like people have created this chicken and the egg argument that doesn't need to exist. And the people who create this, the people who fabricate this chicken and the egg argument that doesn't need to exist are non-essential losers, because essential losers do something far more great, and they balance out our world. And when I referred to this song recently in a night school episode, I, I think I thought it was by the Del Satins for some reason. It's another D name, but instead of being a group, it's by a man. It's not a group, it's a man. And it happens to be Dean Scott, and the song is Gotta Have Losers. And it's one of those songs that I pl- I've played on here more because of how much I agree with it. More than the music, because I, I feel like the music doesn't fit my taste to a T, but I feel like the message is essential. Dare I say essential. An essential song about essential losers. The world has to have losers too. It's part of the balance. It's part of the yin-yang, guys. People don't look at a yin-yang and often think one side of that represents the losers. One side of the yin-yang, one side of the yin-yang represents the losers, and we need them too, but it's true. It's something you got to remember, especially if they're essential losers. So here's kind of a throwback to an early episode, but Dean Scott, gotta have losers too. Gotta have them. I won't let it 
Great one there. I mean, not really my style of music either. Uh, I would say that falls into what people call Northern Soul, which if you're not familiar, refers to a type of soul music, as the name implies, from Northern Europe, England, basically soul music from English people. I don't know where Dean Scott's from. I don't know that he's an Englishman. But I would say that style fits into that in that it's basically white soul, but the term northern soul is connected to England. And soul music of any kind is not my thing, no matter who's doing it. No matter if it comes from uh, an Englishman or anybody else, it's just not my thing. But when you have a message like that, what I really like about that song, why I want to spotlight that song now for a second time, is because it's just, it's so mature. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's such a mature idea. Gotta have losers too. It's not, you know, and you listen to it and it's triumphant. It's powerful. It's not a weak song about you gotta have losers too. You know, it's it's a powerful song about the necessity of losers. Nothing could communicate the need, the necessity of essential losers more than that. So uh, to somebody, that's their personal anthem. To me, it's just a a little piece of mature thinking that I like to show an appreciation for. Got to appreciate maturity, you know? So uh, we're heading now here to the end of the episode, and uh, I'm going to play a song by Eddie Evans and the Kingsman. And it's called Garbage Can. And this song makes me both very happy and very sad. When I hear it, it brings out a whole spectrum of emotions in me. I feel like I've played it before. I keep track of these things. I keep very close notes and just general track of what I've played on here. And for some reason, this one I'm not so sure about. I feel like I would remember having played it. 
If I have, oh well, it's worth playing again. You know, uh, whether you whether whether it's uh, old hat to you or new hat, I think it's worth playing Eddie Evans and the Kingsman Garbage Can. And I guess I don't want to say too much about the content. Uh, it's but it's it's about you know it's nostalgic. It's anti-technological in a way. It's about maintaining your love for the family garbage can and what that represents to you. And you never would imagine that somebody would sing a song like this about this. And it's goofy, but it's also very serious. And as I said, it makes me both happy and sad, which what what's better than that? That's like a... Uh, What's it called? That's like a speedball. It's like that's like a you know how drug addicts take speedballs. They shoot heroin and uh, smoke meth at the same time. I think that's a speedball. Co- it's a cocaine heroin mixture, whatever it is. I've never, obviously, I've never. I'm not cool enough to have taken a speedball. But this song is a speedball to me. This song is my personal speedball. Eddie Evans and the Kingsmen with Garbage Can. Most of the athletes got here a lot earlier than usual to the arena. They were talking about the hostile takeover, the attempt since the 27th of May. What has gone down? What happened to Eric? And then a kind of a hush all over the the locker room area when it was was obvious that Eric wasn't going to make it. Yeah, but Tony, and that's true. We go back to that. What happened to Eric? Okay, we we talk about that so much, but it... This is a sad story that takes us back to the days of our youth. It tells how the modern machine age has taken over and how some of the simple things we used to do are now done with just a push of a button. Yes, this is a story of our old tin. Garbage can, garbage can.
Come on. 